Hello and welcome to another edition of the Paddock Pass podcast. My name is David Emmett. You can find me on Twitter at MotoMatters. Now, today we have a very special edition with Pippa Laverty, the uh, now wife and partner of uh, Eugene Laverty. It was a fascinating conversation. Pippa talked with a great deal of detail and interest about uh, her life being married to Eugene and what it's actually like being the partner of uh, someone racing um, and dealing with with the tension and all the all of the excitement and tension that that involves well here we go thanks very much enjoy right here we're on in Jerez with uh, Pippa Laverty now we're now now Laverty wife of Eugene um, they got married over Christmas or before December I think yeah just before Christmas in very December good very good but you've been with Eugene for quite a long time yeah a few years <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been with Eugene now it was our 10 anniversary just before we got married actually so um yeah, ten year, eleven coming into eleventh now. Very good. Well, I mean, how did you how did you meet? Because you were you were never a big bike fan as a child growing up at all, no. were you? My sister was. My sister's a huge bike fan, and my stepdad Steve, but um, and my stepbrother Lee. They're all into their motorbikes, but I personally was not at all. And then out of all three of us, I'm the one that gets involved with them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how did you meet Eugene? Uh, I met him a few years. Well, obviously a few years now. Through some mutual friends, I was actually working as a promotional girl at the NEC bike show, trying to get a new contract for the phone year, because um, it's always great fun, you know, doing that when you're a bit younger. And yeah, some friends introduced us to Eugene, and we all went out on a night out, and we swapped numbers, and it was back in the day of MSN. Do you remember yeah, MSN? Yes, yeah, yes, yes, yes. I'm old enough to remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So um, we started, like, chatting on MSN, and he, he just said, oh, maybe we should meet up sometime and he came over and stayed with me at my home in Durham and then uh, I ended up going over to Ireland the following week to meet his parents and everything and then ever since we've been together so didn't look back. It was a whirlwind love affair almost. Yeah pretty much I mean we were texting each other for a long time before like either of us plucked up the courage to say oh yeah let's let's meet up again you know but um yeah i mean we were young he was doing the british championship i was I'd, i'm not academic so i wasn't going to go to university so i was trying to get work doing bits and bobs i was actually learning to be a hairdresser in college so and he said he said oh, i'll come over and see you for one weekend and yeah we just hit it off and never looked back really right i mean it, it must be a real change uh it, because the i mean the motorcycle racer's lifestyle is saying is incredibly nomadic it's a very strange lifestyle it's not uh it, it's not nine to five no there's no no uh, no certainty there's no stability uh, you never know what you're yeah. doing from one year to the, to the next i mean even now i don't know when until this morning i didn't know if we were going to be staying here tonight if we were going to be going up to near the airport to stay it's you have to be really on your feet and just be able to go with the flow whenever you can um i was looking at rounds and um enjoy that together but soon i realized you can't mix working whilst dating someone who's racing at that track because as soon as they have an accident you 
you want to be there you want to be by their side to make sure they're okay and everything having to tell your client you're working for all oh, right i've just got nipped to the hospital to see, D- my, to see, my, yeah, to my, see my boyfriend, boyfriend who's just currently come off and that it's just not professional so yeah. um soon after that I, I came to the racing just as eugene's girlfriend rather than working as well because it was just too stressful at the time to it was all great and glamorous at first but see once he had his first accident you soon the glitz and the glam soon wear off and you realize this is serious (laughs) yeah there's nothing very glamorous about the inside of a hospital room no luckily we haven't seen touchwood many of them but um as many as most but like we are lucky in the fact that that's just part and parcel of of his career but there's good parts too as well it's not all doom and gloom yeah yeah i mean yeah absolutely absolutely um right well we shall get to some rider questions or some some, some reader questions and uh, maybe come back to it first of all first question well actually the first question on twitter we came from rob at rcvl 1981 can i have her phone number no you can't (laughs) i don't think eugene would be happy with that that's what telephone books are for um i'm flattered though thanks rob Right, next one. Um, uh, at Nadesy, uh, Liam on Twitter. Favourite moment from Eugene's career? That's a tough one because there's been quite a few. Yeah. Um, Favourite one for his career. Do you know what? It was probably when he... Let me think. After he had two quite challenging years in the 250 class, he was feeling pretty down in the dumps. And he broke his foot in Indianapolis and it was a bit... You know, he was just down in the dumps and he was doing a wild card for the Yamaha World Superbike, uh, Super Sport team at the time with Wilco Zillenberg yep. and Marcus Eschenberger. And um, he went there and the first round, it wasn't great, but then he went to Vallelunga to do, to do another one with them and he got on the podium. And I was so proud and just to see him so happy and know that it wasn't him, you know, it wasn't him that was going slow or going bad or anything like that it was it was just the bike and the situation and everything wasn't competitive enough and he just got clarity in that race standing on that podium with two broken feet at the time like the Dorna said uh, not Dorna Flamini at the time said no crutches were allowed on the podium so he had to walk up onto the podium in absolute agony so although it was a bad time, I would say that was a highlight in Eugene's career because it was a real turning point. Because from right. there, he got to go to Super Sport with Simon Buckmaster and the Park Algar team. And then his career just went up from there, really. So I'd say that's probably my favourite highlight because he's won quite a few races. So they kind of get like a bit, you, you know, it's, it's great when he's winning races, but it's the moments that really change something you know yeah yeah exactly a, a career a career defining moment yeah, sort of thing and it might it really be something uh, not uh, not as huge as you might suspect but it turned it turns out to be pivotal later on yeah exactly oh did you realize at the time how big it was no i probably didn't actually it was just a massive sense of relief because like anything when you're in a relationship with an athlete they 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 they're really quite an intense person no matter how relaxed they seem on the outside and they put a lot of pressure on themselves so just to see Eugene smile after a couple of years of never seeing him smile was just a huge relief it was really nice yeah again it's about confidence I mean so much motorcycle racing is about confidence yeah um uh, is there anything that you can do to help with that kind of confidence well every ride is different with Eugene he is 
probably the worst person for being really tough on himself. He's the first person to criticize himself and first person to be like, right, this is where I can improve. So when it comes, I mean, it's like anything. If your wife told you like, oh, you're great and this all the time, you take it with a pinch of salt. At the end of the day, you just have to surround yourself with people that fill you with confidence and mm. that you trust and that you know that they're with you because it doesn't matter whether you finish first or last, they're always going to support you. But when you're feeling those low moments to remind you of the good times, to remind you, no, you are a race winning type of guy, you know, you, you know how to win races. And it's just reminding them now and again, because it's so easy after a couple of bad races to feel so down in the dumps and so being so hard on yourself, you know? Uh, yeah, I mean, because again, this comes to uh, a crew chief, for example. It's such it's such a crucial part of a relationship for riders. I know that, yeah, yeah. And, and and Eugene has been working. You know, he's been working with Phil for uh, uh, this year. Phil Marin. Yeah, he's now his crew chief. Before he was always a mechanic. Mm -hmm. That's that's the same sort of thing. Having someone behind you that you can trust. Yeah, it's it's it does come down to trust. I mean, Eugene's worked with different crew chiefs over the years, and he always goes back to the guys that have no ego because that's a big part of it because if someone has an ego they're going to protect themselves straight away and not not do what's best for the rider or for the team and then the second thing is you know that he can say to that guy this is what i feel and this is how it is and the guy believes him because mm. it works both ways there's riders that also protect themselves and have yeah. an ego and tell the crew chief things so then the crew chief really has to try and understand the relationship like is this the type of rider that i need to lie to or is this yeah. the type of rider i can tell him no this is the case you know so it works both ways do they have to like each other um i'd say that definitely helps a lot right. <laughs> if you don't like if you don't like someone it's hard to work with them yeah but in a professional environment you always you, yeah that you don't have yeah. to be best friends but you have to sort of uh, respect each other yeah I, I would almost say that um you have to almost keep them at arm's length a bit so that then you don't get too friendly. Yeah. I know that sounds contradicting because Eugene's crew chief at the moment is a brother-in-law, but they switch on and off from racing. They can go home and they don't take it home with them, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And it's very, very rare to find that relationship. Whereas in some cases, if you're too friendly with someone, it's really hard if you feel he's not doing the best for you to find someone else to yeah. do the best for you. Um, okay, right. Next question uh, from uh, at Two Tall Tell, which is at, uh, from Perry. Eugene's worst habit. Oh, I'd say I've got more worst habits than Eugene <laughs> does. I'm the messy one. He's the tidy one. Um, worst habits. Probably. Um, oh, it's a hard one, David. I don't know. He doesn't have anything really, really obvious. He doesn't leave the, the cap off of the toothpaste. No, he's, he's Eugene's super tidy. I'm the messy one. I'm right. the one that he so has to pick up. His worst habit is, is that he's, he's he's complaining about you being messy. Yeah, probably actually. Yeah, he's uh, his worst habit is probably chasing around after me rather than just leaving things be. Uh, right from uh, at S Rosine uh, Simon. Uh, I hope I pronounced his name wrong. Uh, right, I think I did. Uh, how nervous do you get when you're watching Eugene racing? <laughs> uh, I mean, very. You, you seem. Well, 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 I mean, I've watched races with you and yeah. you seem really fairly calm but that's a, a bit that's of a front come with practice it's definitely a front i mean at the end of the day it's a privilege for me to be here with eugene and to support him and one thing you can't do is make a drama and that's not seen as being professional so me 
you know, being nervous or crying or anything like that. You have to hold it in because it's they've got focus on their job. But I feel incredibly nervous. I have got different strategies. Sometimes I listen to music. Sometimes uh, chat to. I have a friend next to me to chat to that whilst the race is going i'll glance at it but i won't really you know take so too you're not, much you're, not, you're not actually staring at the race you're, you're f- no. sort of following it at a distance no because i feel if i focus on it i'll i'm then feeding the nerves yeah. and then i'm realizing i'm nervous which makes me more nervous and that and then it just circulates and the only the worst case scenario i've only done it a couple of times in the whole of eugene's career I would actually leave the garage altogether and just just stay out if I feel totally nervous and cut myself off for the that 40 minutes that they're racing around for. Yeah, I mean, you must have to put your ego aside as a, uh, a being married to a racer because, you know, you're at their place of work. You're there. Yeah. You're, you've come to their work, so you can't afford to get in their way. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, I'm here in the background for Eugene to support him and do whatever I can for him. And it, it's it's always been, you know, but I see us as a team now, especially since we're married. Like, we have been a team for a long time. But I have my own things I do for Eugene that like, you know, fulfill me and make me feel happy and proud and, and everything. So I'm not like standing in the background, just standing there looking pretty. I am busy in the background trying to do things to enhance and maximize on every opportunity that Eugene has. Right. Uh, from at, well, from Nicholas Tyler at ntyler81 on Twitter, what is Eugene sneakily good at? Something he's good at that uh, <laughs> that would surprise us? Uh, probably surprises in general. He's sneakily good at surprising me. I'm quite a nosy person, as you know, David. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So uh, it's hard to keep secrets from me, but Eugene, like... Um, he he surprises me he he doesn't do it often but when he does it really shocks me like when he proposed to me that was a complete surprise i didn't see it coming at all and people wonder why but it just was but uh, what did he he didn't take you out he didn't say we're going out on a romantic dinner so that i can propose to you it was just no yeah no (laughs) he didn't he um it was the end of the season and leading up because we've been together so long we've seen so many of our friends get married engaged in our babies and everyone was like oh you're next you're next as they usually do and um eugene always said to me i will propose to you when i'm world champion first and when i feel we're ready to have a family so I, I never expected it anytime soon, but obviously when he was challenging for the championship in the World Superbikes, um, he just missed out and was second. Yeah. And he was so upset, more upset than usual. And I was like, don't worry, it'll be fine. And then um, at the end of the year, because uh, in Europe, when you live there, you don't get to go to all the nice cities because we travel so often, but yeah. we don't get to go. And I said to him, I'd love to go to Rome. I'd love to go to Paris, Venice, do all that. I still haven't been to the other two, but we went to Paris. Mm-hmm. And he said, okay, well, you book it, book a nice hotel low, um, and, you know, we'll go for a nice weekend. So I was like, yeah, sure. And um, booked the hotel, went, arrived in the evening, and he, he was all like, let's, let's go to the Eiffel Tower. Now, Eugene is not a tourist. He does not <laughs> like doing touristy things. If there's motorbikes on the channel, that's what he will be doing. So... I was like, oh, right, okay, yeah, let's go out. So he said, let's walk to the Eiffel Tower. I was just like, oh, yeah, great, thinking this was great, you know, and he was kept on saying, come on, let's go. And I was like, no, I want to get a hot chocolate on the way and all this. And then just as we came around the corner, 
the to, on the bridge on the Eiffel Tower, the Eiffel Tower lit up because it was on the hour every hour. So I was like, quick, get in for a selfie, you yeah. like get, whilst it's still sparkling. And then as I turned round, he was down on one knee and proposed. Really? Yeah. How very romantic. It was. Yeah, it blew, it blew me away. It yeah, really did. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yes. That's not, it's also a very racer thing to actually know that the uh, uh, that the uh, the Eiffel Tower lights up every hour and to make sure that you. To I be know. There he exactly must have Yeah, he must have googled it. Yeah, because exactly. it makes sense why he was hurrying me now. Yeah. I didn't think of it. Did, to be honest, I thought, oh, he's he said he wants to be a tourist, but he just wants to get this over and done with because he knows <laughs> I, it's something I probably want to do. So that's yeah. But when he did it, I was I was completely blown away. Right. Well, this uh, leads into another uh, good question from uh, at Sully Twenty Seven GP. Uh, do you have couple time and racer time? By which he means, you know, the racer time is when yes. Yes, we definitely do. Couple time is when we are sitting at home watching Game of Thrones together, enjoying non-racing related things. I try to have no racing memorabilia in our home as well because it's just nice to go home and switch off from the you, job. You don't have a you don't have a separate room because a lot of people have like trophy rooms or something. In like our that. house in Ireland, um, we we did have a trophy room, yeah, but now where we live, we don't have the room for that. So we, he's rented a little man cave down downstairs where he's got his bikes and got his bits and bobs so but they're not allowed upstairs no they're not allowed upstairs definitely not and then when it's race time he's I know it's race time like testing today for example I won't see him um during a race weekend um I'll only see him at certain times in the day to give him food and all that sort of thing so it's definitely like this is our nine to five office time yeah and then when we go home it's it's switch off time but also i mean you know obviously you 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 sleep together in your motorhome yeah yeah but even then that where's this going david no, no, no. <laughs> i was trying to uh, trying to put this as politely as possible because i mean you, you know you share a bed but it's 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 not uh it's not a nice romantic evening no. together well it's... tell a lie on a night because eugene because it's such an intense day yeah we have like an hour to two hours wind down period where john because john travels with yeah. us as well and eugene don't talk about the racing, don't do anything to do about the racing and we wind down and we watch Family Guy or we'll watch Simpsons or something on the TV that's funny and light yeah. and then try and, or Eugene will read his book before he goes to bed just to switch off yeah. because he is so intensely thinking about setup, what we're doing, tyres, all that, yeah. that as soon as he leaves the garage he needs to wind down from that. Like right. most people, I'm yeah. sure people that work nine to five and they've got emails still coming in before yeah. they go to bed, they're not going to sleep at night and sleep is so important to his career rest is more important than the training because if you're tired you can't you can't do anything you know yeah yeah yes it affects it, everything yeah exactly it is it is interesting that the, uh, the the most important thing for an athlete to do is actually not train yeah it's rest of, uh, olympic runners doing the having the same thing actually being forced to sit in a bath yeah uh, and, and it's surprisingly like, hard for them to do because yeah. they they're they're in this mentality where they're all go all the time that if, they, if they're not going yeah they feel that they're not doing something exactly and they believe that the harder you work the more successful you are but part yeah. of hard work is also actually relaxing yeah exactly and it's it's a big like that's where that's where i come in when it comes to relaxing yeah. it's like relax time now yeah. 
Right. Um, uh, another one, because I know one of the things that you do is run uh, Eugene's fan club. Yeah. Um, uh, and that sort of thing. At uh, rhythm underscore addict, uh, Robin the drummer on Twitter. Uh, which social media platforms are best for social engagement with the fans? Well, um, at the moment, I'm trying my best because when we were in World Superbikes, we had quite a close connection with the fans because it was very easy for them to come to the races. Yeah. They could buy paddock passes. Since moving to MotoGP, we've definitely noticed that it's it's not the same here and I'm trying to personally bridge that gap because I think fans are so important and Eugene really appreciates all of his fans yeah. so um, at the moment we're currently building a Eugene Laverty fan club website which will have which will be the hub for all the information on which social platform to get them on and which packages you can buy to come and see them at a race and all this sort of thing um, so that's what we're currently working on but in terms of social media platform um we try our best eugene is quite a shy humble private type of guy yeah he is he's, he's, he's very yeah. he is, i mean even speaking to him as a racer i mean he's, he's all business he does the business mm -hmm. but um you can tell he's actually quite sort of introvert he's not a uh, he's not a big outgoing yeah. no he's not the type of guy to be taken i don't think there's many selfies on his phone at all mm. never mind he's not the type to show off or selfie or all the rest of it and um so i have to prompt him to take pictures when he's off cycling or when he's off supermoto riding with max and all this sort of thing because it's interesting you know and people yeah. want to see it but he's just shy and quite modest and he just doesn't want people um you know thinking something of him you know like thinking oh he's got above himself by tweeting all these pictures and all that so um but he is on all the social media like facebook twitter um trying to get him into snapchat he doesn't really understand snapchat at the no, moment I don't, I don't understand snapchat but, yeah, then, but I then i'm 50 so uh, i'm I not supposed snapchat. to <laughs> it's brilliant it's so much fun but um yeah so he's he realizes it's an important part and a really good tool as well to interact with his fans but it's just um it's just getting past his normal like private humble yeah. self do, like, i mean does he does, he does he read uh, when people tweet stuff to him does he read it and does he twitter does he reply to some yeah, of them yeah he stuff? reads through them yeah he's quite yeah. a quick reader so he reads through them all and actually like sometimes when um because a lot of people say oh what do you do with them when people criticize you online and stuff eugene surrounds himself with friends that are the first to tell him if he's had a bad race oh you know you've had a bad race huge what's going on yeah. and just totally rip into him the, the proper irish way you know yeah, yeah. so when it comes and i think that really helps with when he's handling people like trolls online and everything because if someone says something quite witty and funny he finds it funny he doesn't yeah, find it offensive yeah, yeah, he's yeah. not going to take offense does, you know doesn't mind being insulted as long as someone's being funny about yeah, it yeah exactly you know it's like he, he takes it on the chin he's confident in himself and he's confident of his ability i think anyone that really gets rattled by that stuff online just doesn't doesn't have the confidence to know themselves you know and at the end of the day you only really care about the people who are close to you yeah if the, these people are saying things and they may never have met you you know yeah because yeah, yeah. i'm sure if they've met eugene they wouldn't be saying these things yeah exactly uh just to go back to the, about the fan club what's the url of the you of the uh, of the fan sorry, club? sorry yeah so hopefully it's going to be eugene laverty uh, fanclub.com right so that'll be up and running hopefully in the next couple of weeks i'm working okay. with room media on that so super yeah yes good people i know them yeah um uh that's right right at calixto eric uh, erico Sorry, I'm at Calixto Erico on Twitter asks, how often do races rewatch the races? 
<laughs> if you asked me this last week, we had Christian Edenstein with us. Um, and all week I was so excited to watch Game of Thrones and Downton Abbey and catch up on all my TV things. No. It was reruns of BSB, reruns of World Superbikes, reruns of MotoGP, reruns of Supercross, reruns of everything. They watch it all the time. And Eugene, after a race, he'll watch his race back and um, he'll take notes. And then maybe when he goes back a couple of days later, once the dust has settled, he'll watch it again, see it from, you know, a different perspective. Uh, yeah, a little know? bit of distance. Yeah, yeah. So he definitely watches it back. But when it comes to, if you have more than one race in your house, they do nothing but watch two-wheeled action. Right, right. It's non-stop. If they're not out riding bicycles or motorcycles, then yeah. they're uh, sitting on the couch watching yes. bicycles or motorcycles. And if they're not sat on the couch watching motorbikes, they're talking about it and they're making noises like brum, 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 and all the rest of it whilst <laughs> they're talking to each other. It drives me mad. It does drive me mad. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> have you? I mean, have you grown to, um, like you said, you started as as a promo girl knowing nothing about motorcycle or knowing very little uh, about motorcycle racing have you come to love it as a sport i have yeah definitely i think when you know people in the sport you have a more interest and a better understanding and then when you come and see what they do you can really appreciate the speed of everything you know so I love the sport and I love everyone that's in it as well. You meet, I think the bike industry in general is such a close knit, really nice environment where everyone, once you, you go into a pub and you find a biker, instantly have something in common with that person. You know, it's real, it's a real one level, nice sort of thing. And everyone's the same and has the same in common. And um, this year I'm actually, cause I don't ride motorbikes. Mm -hmm. I leave that business to Eugene, but this year I'm thinking about doing um, my bike license. I, I, I can highly recommend it. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's absolutely, uh, uh, I got my bike license as soon as I could. I've been obsessed with I don't with think you even have a car, do you, David? No, I don't have a car. No, no, no. Cause cars You're two-wheeled only. Yeah, yeah, because cars are horrible. Um, <laughs> cars, cars make me... Un I owned a car once and it made me unhappy, so I sold it and bought another motorbike and um, <laughs> things have looked up ever since. So, uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's it, it's an amazing... Obviously, you know, it's dangerous. You know it's dangerous. But it's just yeah. a question of being uh, being careful and, and and being aware. But it's Being bike safe, yeah. Exactly. You have to be bike-wise. Bike, be bike wise. You know, yeah, yeah, like yeah. you have to be bike wise, bike safe. And at the end of the day, you only live once yeah. and you do what makes you happy. Yeah. People ask me like, oh, would you not want Eugene to stop racing? I'd be like, no, because he'd be miserable. Yeah. Why would I want that? Well, what is Eugene going to do when he stops racing? I mean, he's still a long way from retirement. He's probably yeah. three, four, five years away from retirement Maybe at least. Maybe even more. Yeah, depending. But he, honestly, I think... Um, It'd be hard to know because I think it's hard for racers when they retire to know what they want to do. Um, and there's a massive gap to fill of that, yeah. you know, excitement and adrenaline on a race weekend. So, um, I don't know. It depends how much money he makes. If he can sit back and relax like Casey Stoner or if he'll have to go to work and, you know, either be involved in a team or, or something like that. It really depends on the circumstances. You, can you see him stepping away from bikes completely or do you think there's always going to be no, involved somehow? he'll be involved somehow. He is bike through and through. It runs through his veins. The, 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 a lot like John, basically. Yeah. Who's, 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 the whole Laverty family, you know, I mean, they're not... They're not bike crazy, but they definitely just have so much respect and so much love for the sport, you know. They're just naturally drawn towards it. So I can't imagine them being in anything else and being happy. I think they'll always go something towards two wheels. It could be management, 
uh, commentary, journalism, you know, there's so many different options. Okay, well, Pippa, thank you very much. No it's worries, been thanks, David. Right, well, thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed that uh, special with uh, Pippa Laverty. If you're not following the show uh, on Twitter or Facebook, make sure you do. You can find us on Twitter at uh, Paddock Passport. You can find us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash paddockpasspodcast. Okay, thanks very much, and until next time. That was really fucking good. Yeah. It was, that was really interesting. That's what I like about you, Pippa. You're fucking smart. <laughs>